0: Yeah. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here with you, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We also have a special guest in the studio who we'll introduce in a few moments. But um, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. We are broadcasting live on WBSM as well as on the WBSM app and on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. It's always good when the Red Sox end early because then we can hit you on all the different avenues that we can. Uh, to make it easy for you to consume the show however possible for you. And then we're going to be talking tonight uh, in a little while with Ken DeCosta from Rise Up Paranormal. We'll find out about the Ocean State Paracon that's coming up next month. We'll find out about not only who you can go out and see at the Ocean State Paracon, but also we'll find out a little bit more about who they are raising money for this year because that convention every year is uh, completely for charity, uh, minus just the the cost of putting on the event itself All the rest of the proceeds go to a different charity each year. So Ken will fill us in on the charity that we'll be raising money for this year. And uh, also a little bit later on, we will have The Week in Weird for you as well. But uh, as I mentioned, we do have a a guest in the studio that will probably dedicate much of the rest of the show after that uh, to discussing with Moniz. Why don't you uh, introduce our guest and and, and your friend that you brought along?
1: All right. Dave McClellan from the BFRO. And Squatchachusetts. I've been working with Dave and the guys from Bfro and Squatchachusetts now for what past two and a half years locally. Um, When we get local reports that come into the Bfro down in the South Coast area, usually Dave gives me a call and the other guys that are involved in Squatchachusetts, and I go and you know talk to whoever you know calls in, and I I share stuff i get with them it's kind of reciprocal and we've gone out on a number of different little expeditions and we've got an actual bfro expedition being done in the bridgewater triangle coming up next weekend and uh, i'll let dave talk about that
2: yes that's uh next weekend thursday to sunday there's um it's out of middleborough koa Cape Mm -hmm. card boston camp and we've had some interesting things happen last year and this year's looking to be we're hoping good for the, uh we have some new attendees and uh, really looking forward to it
0: excellent right. we'll, we'll talk some more about that coming up a little bit later on Moniz, you weren't here last week because you're were actually were doing something with the bfro guys right yeah and uh what, what happened there anything
1: oh we we got to check out a lot of uh historical sites and things like that uh went around to a, a number of locations that we're going to be going to 14, this, coming- 20, oh, about that. this coming weekend um, got eaten alive by mosquitoes.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so you so were just kind of you know. like pre-planning for yeah, for the yeah. event coming up. Well, so you missed last week's episode where we talked about some of these stories, but I'd like to get your uh, your take on them. Uh, some of these stories that have been coming out in the press about UFOs. Uh, we had yeah. Navy pilots talking about their experiences. We had, uh, and we'll we'll talk about Bigfoot and the government too a little bit later on yep. too because that came up this week. Uh, Matt shared that story out on, on the Spooky South Coast social media, but there seems to be A lot of UFO stories that have been coming out lately. Uh, And and I was talking last week about, you know, that's how disclosure will happen. Not being, you know, a UFO landing on the White House lawn. It'll be things that are kind of pieced out so that people will uh, build up a tolerance for it and build up an understanding for it. It's
1: called titrated. Yes, it's been going on for the past decade and a half. So, actually longer but yeah. so
0: these stories coming out this week I mean do they these past few weeks Do they surprise you at all has oh, there been no, anything that's come no. out that you said wow I can't believe that they revealed that or
1: no that this is nothing new to me our people in the um, UFO community we we know that these things have been going on for decades and that the government you know no they did not stop you know paying attention to them in 1969 with the end of blue book no we, people that have common sense know that the government is going to keep following the information. They're just not going to release what they know.
0: Well, it wouldn't make sense anyway because, you know, you can't guarantee that the the reports that you investigated, you know, from the late 40s to the late 60s are the same reports that you're getting now. You know, whatever you might have attributed it to in 1955 doesn't mean that that's the same same, uh, rationale that you'll be giving it in 1985.
1: Right, especially with much better... You know, radar technology, video technology, and other other types of senses. You
3: know, y-
1: y- our technology has exploded, and we still have this mystery. So it's well now we know better. We can track balloons a hell of a lot better. We can track other planes a hell of a lot better, or detect various weather anomalies better now. So, and these things are still happening.
0: So. But the other side of it, too, is that you also have people are um, more observant, I guess you could say, or people are more looking to the skies, expecting to see these things. And also, you know, we have cell phones in our pockets and all this kind of stuff. So it does kind of increase the amount of stuff that they would have to look into if they were looking into this fully. So maybe maybe they wanted to have that perception be the reality that they weren't really investigating it just so they don't get inundated with a bunch of. Low-level BS It's not worth their time, but instead they're getting stuff from the sources that they, they deem, you know, reliable.
1: Well, what it, the way somebody put it to me that was in the know back in the day, they said they basically wound up getting to the point where the investigation, they were leaving up to the people. They, mm-hmm. they were surreptitiously just grabbing the information that people were gathering right in in, in a sense you know
0: so i look at it like you probably like you know have peter davenport run the ufo reporting center uh have Mufon run their database and then the government can go in and look through those files just like anybody else could right and then they can they can determine which ones they want to follow up on correct and the other part of that too is um then the question comes up you know has there been any kind of secretive funding for some of these organizations You know, they're like, you know, MUFON will tell you, no, we're not on the government dime, but maybe they're getting something.
1: But some of their supporters are.
0: Right. Yeah. So you're getting donations from somebody and you don't know where that person's getting the money from to donate to you. (coughs) Same thing with, I think, the National UFO Reporting Center. They also run on donations, I believe. Oh, yeah. So
1: if you. But a a lot of that is, you know, grassroots stuff, though. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, but it's not like the government's going to come in and give you a five million dollar one-time donation. They're going to have a million people giving you yeah. a dollar at a time. Yeah. So, well, maybe not, maybe not that many. That'd still be suspicious. If all of a sudden they got a million donations, but you know what I mean? It'll be something that will. Yeah. It will happen little bits of, of pieces at a time. So, what do you think will be the the forward? thinking now of of these having these releases having these stories come out what will be the next step will there be more of this kind of stuff coming out will there be yes you know will there be active investigations of see will we
1: what what will wind up happening is i know uh, of course everything these days is turned this way it will be turned political because people will like, well how much money did you guys spend doing this and not telling how you know mm-hmm. uh, and one side will throw the other side under the bus, and vice versa, and and then you'll get distracted again. Yeah, you
0: know? I, I just wonder if we'll get to the point where the FBI shows up at a at a crash site, say, or or a supposed landing site, or any of these things that you would get called out to. In the past, like now, are you going to have to deal with FBI agents showing up there, or or somebody from the Department of Defense? Because
1: this, this is nothing new that isn't already happening.
0: Right, but it's it's happening a little bit more on a clandestine level, though not outright telling you who they are. Uh,
1: in some cases, yeah, well, depending okay. upon where it is, you know, you're, you're on government land. Yeah, government yeah. doesn't. Well,
0: yeah. if it's an and if it's a national security <laughs> issue, then yeah, yeah, they're going to identify yeah. themselves. But in general, if this person has a an extreme you know uh, sighting in their backyard right and they call you in to check it out you know you're generally you know who's going to show up there and, and who right. who belongs and who doesn't Well,
1: they've already infiltrated a lot of the investigative groups that are out there it's not hard to do they're open memberships so <laughs> i mean you can insert anybody you want mm-hmm. um but there's a chance that yeah this may become more public now when when things happen, you may get uh, the government saying, OK, maybe we do want to talk to you." Uh, a reopening of a public um, blue book again, so to speak. Uh,
0: well, I think, too, I don't think it's coincidental that the blue book series comes out on the History yeah. channel right yeah. before this stuff actually starts to happen. It's it, it does seem like they're kind of almost gearing up for. Yes. And, and I think that that would be something that for the most part, if you put that out there, I think you could get some public support i don't know about congressional support but you could get some public support for having an arm of the military or an arm of the justice department investigating these things i mean i don't think it's a coincidence either that we have president trump talking about a space force and people saying well yeah it makes sense we need to think of spaces as, as a battleground because you know he I, I honestly think that when the president's talking about a space force. Uh, he's not talking about aliens coming here and, in, and in trying to invade us. No, we have to fight them. A, he's talking about that being a place where countries on Earth will go to wage war right. with each other. Mm. So uh, I can kind of understand where he's coming from with that. It, it, it makes sense that as our technology advances, you know, it would make more sense to fight it away from where well, there would be civilian casualties.
1: Well, it's not just that you control the space around the planet. You control basically all of the satellites that are out there. Right. you're well, I th- controlling communication. There, there, are, there are weather modification things that you can space-based that I, can cause.
0: I, I don't think that it's you know to control it. I think it's to make sure that nobody is trying to control it. You know, it's trying to make sure that it stays free up there. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, but the the other side of that too is maybe if you do have that space force maybe that creates the uh the investigative arm for people because now it, it it would almost be something that you could see being a fair discussion if you say something came and landed in my yard and you know I saw beings in the window and then it took off again you know, well, you want to make sure that it's not Russia or China yeah. or some other country that has some sort of, you know, space flight ship that's coming down from the skies. So it does open it up so that you can investigate those things under this under this moniker of the Space Force, under this branch of the Space Force. So
1: uh, uh, another big part of it is surveillance, space based spy in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, looking down and you, know, you get to see the whole planet. And it's not like you can hide per se. But part of it, it too,
0: like part of this is on us as regular everyday civilians because there was a time when people could look to the sky and they knew what was there and what belonged to what didn't and they knew what would be where. And we just – we don't pay attention to it anymore because we don't need it for navigation. We don't need it for illumination. We don't need it to be anything more than just what it is. It's just some lights in the sky. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, nowadays, if – I'm embarrassed to say – But I feel like I'm just like everybody else. You know, if you're out there looking and you see something anomalous in the sky and you're not sure exactly what it is, I have to open up the sky map on my phone and point that up in the sky to try to figure out, oh, that's just Jupiter. You know, as opposed to just being able to look at it like people probably could have 100 years ago and said, oh, there's Jupiter.
1: Oh, oh, that's TELSAT-5 or, you know, whatever satellite is flying by. Because the, they have those apps, too.
0: Right. The only thing that I can tell, uh, you know, like people are always like, well, I see this bright light. I don't know if it's the space station or not. Like I open up a space station app on my phone to see where it is because I, I couldn't tell you what it looks like going by in the sky without that. And that's part of our own, I don't want to say ignorance, but it kind of is. Like it's something that we used to know that we don't know anymore. Uh, you guys spend a lot of time out in the woods. I'm sure that it's beneficial to you to know exactly what you're looking at in the sky to help you with a matter of direction. Yeah. But exactly. most people just don't bother anymore. Yeah. You know, because they're going to have their phone with them, and it's going to have a GPS in it. But what happens when you get to a place where that don't GPS no longer works? works. Yeah. So
1: The North Star is still going to be there.
2: And we go to a <laughs> lot of areas where, even our radios last year, yeah. the radios kept bugging Oh yeah, out and it, batteries. It
1: that was out. when their first excursions into the Bridgewater Triangle electronic things for them were going haywire and i'm just laughing because welcome to my yeah, world
2: not bigfoot related <laughs> but uh very very voices being picked up on audio yeah no, we're I'm getting evps that we didn't hear but we played back later on and there was uh a mike z was asking questions yeah. and he got some replies yeah. <laughs> and they weren't nice well we, and, we uh, uh,
0: We hear things from people all the time, too. They're like, well, I I don't worry about it because I have GPS on my phone, and even when I don't have signal, my GPS still works. Well, okay, but what happens when your battery dies? You know? Like, most people can't even work a compass. Yeah. Which is uh, a shame.
2: And uh, this was even after going back out to the parking lot, putting all new batteries in, going back in. and And still the same thing? We weren't even far apart from each other. Couldn't pick up, no
0: sound, nothing.
2: like they were dead
0: it doesn't take much i mean especially when you're in the woods around here
1: no but these were in sight of each other well (laughs)
0: yeah i've been in some buildings where i've had that same thing happen Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden the darkness just becomes so weird and like you know you can't even communicate with each other or they sound like they're far away and uh, yep it's a freaky thing when it happens so we'll, we'll definitely get more into some of that Uh, a little bit later on we'll also take people's calls throughout the course of the night especially if you live local and you've had a bigfoot experience that you want to report this would be a great night to do it we've had people that have called in the past and they say oh i you know i think i saw something and we have to say well wait till moniz comes back so we can pass the report on to you guys (laughs) but uh, tonight would be a great night 508-996-0500 we'll take your calls a little bit later on because we are going to talk with Ken DaCosta coming up in just a few moments uh, again if you've never been to the Ocean State Paracon and we will talk about it uh, in depth with Ken but if you've never been to it it's got to be the most laid back you know picturesque location it is without a doubt even even when it rains it's a, a weekend well spent outside well spent outdoors and it's it's what we want these conventions to be. It's everybody coming together for a good cause, for a good purpose, and just kind of hanging out and spending time with each other. Although it, it's structured and it has its structure, it's not all about, you know, making sure that every single minute is planned out or making sure that every single thing is, uh, you know, dictated to the T. It's just a relaxing weekend. And when you're spending a Saturday and Sunday in July at a paranormal convention, you want it to be like that. You know, you want it to be something that is just a, a regular kind of summer activity. And so that's why this is one of my favorite events to do each year, because it always it always just feels like a bunch of friends getting together to hang out under some tents in the summertime. So we'll talk about that coming up with Ken. And if you've if you've been before You know that even though some of the same folks come back year after year after year because they want to take part in it, you know that they always bring something different to the table. And so I think I've got a good lecture for this year that I've come up with. It's going to be a brand new lecture that I'm debuting, but I think the title of it alone will get some people to show up. It's called, I have to like tweak the exact wording of how I'm going to do it, but how to become a paranormal TV investigator. Oh, (laughs) tell me that at a Paracon, half the audience won't be. Oh, good. like half All the people over. won't be just jumping in to sit in that and be like, oh, this is what I want. This is what I came here for. I want to learn how to be on TV. <laughs> now, it's little, little secret inside info. It's not exactly going to be a how-to. It's going to be kind of a history of paranormal media, like how these things came together and, and how, how the media started focusing on some of this stuff. And I had the opportunity to talk to somebody uh, the other night on Midnight in the Desert who's running an organization – uh, where it 's media people involved in researching anomalous phenomena, so it 's people who are television news people, newspaper reporters, videographers, people who are working kind of in that in that world who are also interested in, in looking into these things and uh, and I was as I was talking to him i said i can 't believe it 's taken that long because there 's so many people that work in those fields that are involved in this. That I I can't believe that it's taken this long for them to kind of come together, and and put all their eggs in one basket, because like how many times Moniz, have we had somebody on the show where they're like, well, you know, I'm a I'm a journalist by day, or yeah. you know, and and I uh, always have to say, well, yeah, so am I, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and so is this guy, and so is that one, and so is this lady, and so is this person. Like there's there's enough of us out there that it, it only makes sense that we all kind of come together, um, because you know this is something that has been a a huge shift in the way that it's been presented uh i'm sure even you guys have seen this with some of the newspaper coverage and, and media coverage you've gotten it goes from being this you know check out these wacky guys and what they do to now it's being taken more seriously
2: it is i think all of the realms are i think they all the ufos I, the bigfoot the ghosts I, it's, and um i think people are and the uh especially all the new stuff leaking out about i think there's going to be a big leak disclosure too soon they gradually uh, all military people government people
0: showing the fighter pilots chasing them and it's definitely a change just just yeah. that little bit of change in the way that they present it changes the way that people consume it so if if the, the TV networks and, and the TV reporters and the, the newspapers are taking it seriously, then the people who are consuming that news will, will take it more seriously. You know, I, I hate more than anything when I have to watch some of my friends who get the chance to go and, you know, be on media to present different things. And, and it I feel bad for them when they go to this and it's like like some morning show or something, some morning TV news show, and they're like, Well, coming up, we've got somebody who does something really strange. You're not going to believe what he does. Coming up in a few moments. And then they bring them on like, so you look for ghosts. Well, we all know ghosts aren't real. So what are you really looking for? You know, like things like that. It just, it's, why are we still having those comments made? Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, whoever your segment producer is, is lazy as hell. Because (laughs) they should have been able to give you a bunch of talking points that didn't involve making any stupid jokes. The stupid jokes are kind of always going to be there. But if that's not the, the core of the conversation, at least that's forgivable. But there's so many times that I watch these interviews, and I'm like, but why don't you, you know, if you have on the BFRO, why aren't you asking them about this investigation that they've posted about or this investigation that they posted about? Instead, you're just going to ask them these generic questions about, you know, so uh, uh, what do you think about them naming a monster truck Bigfoot? That's pretty <laughs> weird, huh? <laughs> like, that, that that's just what bothers me is that we – we're talking about you know disclosure happening in this slow level, uh, but it's it's still doing get a, laughed at right. It's, it's doing still a, not the water cooler chat in the morning, or. But then I see though sometimes that it can be if the right person is the person doing it. Like I think people that you know have worked with me in places have probably thought that I'm crazy and probably thought that I'm nuts about going out there and doing some of the stuff we're even talking about it here on the show, but. For the most part, when they've had conversations with me, you know, they've tried to at least find out why it is that I do it and why it is that I believe. You know, I've I've been lucky enough not to encounter a lot of I, there's been some people, especially when I was, you know, working as a cook and there were some customers. <laughs> you know, there's there's been some people that have said you're insane, you you know, you're or or even people that have said, you know, you you know you're just chasing after demons, right? Oh yeah. So we you know, we've gotten some of that blowback but uh, i think for the most part people have been at least respectful of that and i think it, it, by not coming off as crazy that helps but i know plenty of people who don't come off as crazy that are treated much much harsher than that but again it's it's you know this is, we're going on almost 20 years now of paranormal media being out there you would think by now that it's it's become more accepting of some people
2: well, it's good tabloid photo it's a good joke Uh, belittling and you just gotta let it roll off and but I noticed in the Bigfoot realm since the uh, TV show Finding Bigfoot uh, just got finished up uh, 9 or 10 years and it really people that I used to be around that would never talk about it all of a sudden were asking me about it like hey I watch that show because they're kids watching it's a kids geared show and but you'd be surprised how many people were all of a sudden interested in it because now they're, they're seeing people come forward and pretty credible people all over the country.
0: And I think that's that's what led to such a rise in people who are investigators of whatever kind, whether it's whether it's ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, whatever. You know, they the rise of it came because of television, and we get critical of that a lot. We say, well, they're just doing it because they saw other people doing it on TV. But at the same time, they're doing it because they saw people doing it on TV. Like that made it okay right. for them to say, This is something that I think I can go mm-hmm. out there and do.
1: Does it matter how how you found it? It's no. the search that's right. what's important, right?
0: Right. And and, and I've freely admitted that, you know, Ghost Hunters coming on TV in two thousand four, I never would have thought to do this show if not for that. You know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot right. of Outlets to talk about this kind of stuff, and if it did, it didn't last. So, you know, yeah, Art Bell was able to do it for a long time, yep. and there's been other shows like Sightings had a pretty good run, I think. The mm-hmm. X Files, even though it was fictional, you know, that had a pretty good run, but there's been some tolerance for this stuff, Twilight Zone. But for the most part, you would see things kind of come and go, you know, fly by night, real quick, Saturday afternoon specials yeah. about stuff more than you would see sustained interest in it so it wasn't something that you wanted to get involved in if you wanted to have a, a long career
1: right like sightings how long did that last a I've season th- or two
0: i think it had a couple of years didn't it yeah
2: yeah
1: like two or three
0: uh, and unsolved
2: mysteries
0: unsolved uh, mysteries had, had a pretty good run right. uh
2: in search of that the, was probably my first show that got me hooked yeah. into all these
0: and the fact that that came back and stayed on the air you know in reruns
2: yeah um i think but, they're doing it again a third yep version of yeah
0: one. they just started it with uh zachary quinto yeah and, uh, and, then, and Jeff Belanger got to be on it. Yeah. And I remember him commenting, like, how cool is that? That, like, one of the shows that got me involved in this and interested in this stuff, I got to, to be on the newer version of it. Uh, but then, you know, you also have, I mean, one of the, the things that I'm going to be talking about in my lecture is the show That's Incredible. Yeah. You know, that was, when I was a kid, yeah. that show was, like, appointment viewing for my family. We watched it every week. And seeing some of these, you know, just some of the weird stories that they would present. But then every once in a while, they had a paranormal story in there. And
1: and what about Ripley's, believe it or
0: not? Right. Ripley's has come back again yeah. and again. It's actually, there's actually a Ripley's version right now that's yeah. on again. And it just keeps coming back mm-hmm. as a television show because people are forever submitting stories to it. And they have enough stories in their archives anyway.
2: And it just shows you, like, the longevity of how people like a good mystery and the unexplained, more than paranormal, just not oh. explained. Um, what's the other one? There was another one.
1: There's been dozens of them over the years. It's, it's a topic that people are interested, but don't want other people to know
2: they're interested in. Right. Well, at least they it. didn't. Now yeah. it's now well, it's now changed. It's, uh, mysteries of the museum. They have oh yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of the weird.
0: One of the ones. One of the ways that I was able to consume paranormal stories when I was a kid in a way where I could happen upon it and read it without raising too much attention to myself for doing it. Uh, you know, I used to like to go into the library and hang out in the 100 section Mm -hmm. of the Dewey decimal system. And I would, I'd go down there and read some books around, but you wouldn't want like your classmates coming in and seeing you down there. But one of the ways that I used to consume paranormal themed stories was my grandmother every week bought the national Enquirer, star magazine, and maybe a couple other of those tabloids. And so I would find them kicking around her house, and I would always read them, and you would find a story about this person got visited by a spirit, this person got abducted by a UFO. And even at a young age, I knew that those newspapers were full of crap, but at least the stories were out there, and it kind of got me interested. And I would think to myself, you know, as I got older, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, reading those stories, I would think to myself, Even if they made this story up completely, there's got to be some basis of truth for it. There's got to be something that's happening to make it resonate with people. Um, And then I realized how easy it is to just make up a story like that. And then I kind of wished I had gotten that job. Because imagine getting to be a journalist without having to actually do any journalism. (laughs) That's the best. I think we have a call on the line here, so let's go to (coughs) the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey,
4: good evening, Tim. Hey, gentlemen. Have many of you, about six weeks ago, I got the app called Newsbreak. It's a red app where it looks like, like origami, uh, with a letter N. And it showed a picture and it, the headline was, A Bigfoot West Virginia. And it shows a shore, a shoreline like along a river going into a, into some thickly settled woods and about six foot four, but it was black hair instead of the traditional reddish orange, and it was out there for about a week on different different angles. Had any of you seen that?
2: I have not. No, no. Um, no. we were talking Sounding about behind. the uh, kid that was missing with the bear. But that, that, was the latest. that was North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. But no. this, this was definitely West Virginia. It was
4: near a riverbank. There it, it was um, some guys who were doing some. Um, a lumber company, there was a pack of them, and three or four of them had angles, but the closest guy to it, and it shows human-like, all-black hair, kind of leaning over with the right hand on the on the rock, and then it kind of paused, didn't look back or anything, and then went right into the woods. But it showed two or three still pictures.
5: All right. I'd like
1: to see those, so we're going to have to, to rule those. You were saying about a week ago?
4: I I saw I looked at it a week ago, but it actually happened about five or six weeks ago. Okay. It was sent to me on Newsbreak, on yep. the app that's called Newsbreak.
0: And where, where where did it take place again, West Virginia?
4: West Virginia, right right near the um, Virginia border. So there was, there was a river, I guess it straddles both. And there was some guys for a lumber company going up and doing some survey, and there was a group. So there was two or three pictures, but the one clearest was the guy that was closest, and oh, it wow. showed it was they estimated it's about six four, pretty built, and they heard a splash and looked, and saw it heading away, and three of them got pictures.
5: Wow!
4: And it's leaning because there's some rocks; it's kind of an angle, and it went into the tree tree line, and they were like all flip, flipping out.
5: Yeah,
2: but I'm I was really surprised I'm it, it look didn't into get that made case. coverage.
4: And when I got it, it, was just that somebody else sent it to me.
0: Um, yeah, breaks. I'm looking it up on on. Google News here to see if I see the story anywhere, and I I don't see anything coming up. Yeah, me neither. Lots of reports. I'll
4: I'll try to draw it back up, and I'll send it over to you, Tim.
0: I'd appreciate that. Okay, my friend. All right, thanks. Have a great night. 508-996-0500 is the number if anybody wants to call in. Now, it's good that we're getting stories about Bigfoot in the news, though, that don't end up with, you know, costumes in a freezer. Yeah. Because that was still one of our most commented on episodes of all time. (laughs) By the way, when I, I,
2: <laughs> we were just talking about that at Matt's house,
0: yeah, we we actually had a, a big Bigfoot. We had Tom Biscardi on after that, trying yeah. to explain away his involvement in it, saying that he got duped. Yeah, and uh, to this day, that was probably like ten years ago, and to this day, it's the still the one that gets us the most comments out of any of our episodes. Although sex scandals in the paranormal is starting to catch up, that one got a lot of. <laughs> I think just people go on YouTube and search the word "sex" and that comes up, and they're like, oh. Well, now I'm going to comment on this. I would
2: think he would want to see it before I go out in front of all the cameras and put my name on this. Here, he just—if he did—if that's how it happened, I mean,
0: right? I mean, let's face it. it He doesn't exactly have the most stellar reputation himself, anyway. Exactly. So, if you're coming into this with that kind of a reputation, then you're going to try to say that these guys duped you. Like, I'm just—I'm not going to buy it. First of all, second of all, like you're saying, do your due diligence. You know. Don't get involved, I don't. I don't remember all the particulars yep, of it. Yeah, consider
2: the source it came from, the look at it, and because uh, I was, uh, I was telling Matt earlier, a funny story. When that broke, I got called up uh, at the place I worked. I worked in the warehouse, so I got called up to the office, and a few people huddled around the computer. Hey, you got to see this! This just broke. You got to see this. It's on CNN, and I looked at it, and in about five seconds, I goes, Is that the costume. And walked away. Where are you going? This is no, This is all over the news. And I goes, it's, it's a costume we got from eBay.
0: Right. Yeah. With
2: some uh, roadkill on it, you know.
0: And if I remember right, again, all the details probably escaped me a little bit. But if I remember right, at least one of the two guys that was involved outside of Biscardi, one of the guys was a police officer.
1: Yes, lost his job too for it. He yes. did.
0: But so if that's the case, maybe he's thinking. Biscardi is thinking. You know, well, if I'm going to pull another hoax off, like these are the guys to get involved with because they have credibility. So that will help me have credibility. And then, of course, they get found out because, first of all, how could they have not? Like, how do you go into that thinking you're going to get away with it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The quality of it, I could see if it was, um, like, we've seen some real good ones. Like the, the
1: Minnesota Iceman? The, although yeah. that supposedly was a real body, and then they switched it out. If you talk to Lauren Coleman, his stories about it. Yes. Uh,
2: there was a guy we just had, uh, came from the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and there was an artist that made, they were so lifelike. You literally could walk up to them, and they were rubber. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, the wrinkles in the skin, the hair, the eyes, uh, probably the best effects of a Sasquatch, I could see that I could see, and it got taken or duped. But this thing was <laughs> folded up in a box, flat faced. It was uh, yeah. People wanted to believe. I think a lot of people did, and they they uh, call him up, call him up. They know, you know, they know you're into it. And- but
0: you know that thing happens. And, yeah, it's terrible, and it probably had some negative blowback for for yourself and your organization and people that just go out there and do this where people say, well, you know, obviously if that's a hoax, they all must be hoaxes. But then again, maybe if that didn't happen, maybe we don't see the rise of interest in Bigfoot that followed up, that we wouldn't have all these television shows and specials and all these things that have come out as a result of it. So although it might have been negative when it happened, I think that there was uh, some good that came out of it. Um, so I'm, I'm just taking a look to see if Ken's still around. Uh, he might be on an investigation or something tonight, so that could be holding him up. But why don't, we, uh, why don't we take a break that we have to take, and when we come back on the other side, we will talk with Ken. Uh, he is on the phone right now, so we'll take a real quick break, and then we'll come back with more Spooky South Coast coming up in just a moment. Just let me go back to where I'm supposed to be for these commercials. When you think of places to go for great food and fun with family and friends, you naturally think Dave & Buster's. That's why you should let them host your next party, outing, or event. Dave & Buster's provides epic fun for everyone, so it makes sense that it would be the perfect place for your graduation party, youth group outing, or end-of-school celebration. And there are private rooms to hold your corporate meeting or conference. It's the perfect mixture of business and fun. Whatever the occasion, let Dave & Buster's make it one everyone will remember. Learn more at DaveAndBuster's.com.
2: When medical treatment no longer offers a cure, hospice is the right choice for many because it allows individuals and families to fulfill the desire to live their days in comfort and dignity at home. We are honored and privileged when someone chooses community nurse to care for them during this time. Our team offers physical, emotional, and spiritual care focused on quality of life throughout their journey and ultimately after their loss. Facing this kind of diagnosis is hard. There will be good days and there will be bad. Knowing that you are doing all you can to recognize that every day is a gift is a gift in itself. Visit communitynurse.com.
6: Hi, I'm Tom. And I'm Eric. And we're from the Cohog uh, Republic. That's right. Living, giving, and relaxing. We have four locations in Falmouth, Onset, New Bedford, and Plymouth, each with its own unique atmosphere and feel.
0: So Tom, it's tis the season for lobster rolls, isn't it? It is. Go check it out. <laughs> all four locations. Raw Bar, right? We're do- are we doing Raw Bar at all four all locations All four now?
6: locations are coming we? this May in Falmouth. I think we're crazy.
0: We're on the interweb, aren't we, Tom? We
3: are. Check out QuahogRepublic.com. We'd love to see you this summer. Any one of the four locations. Grab a loyalty card on your way out we save you money every day with seize it's where you go to get discounts on great restaurants entertainment services and more but these deals are
1: limited and sell out fast this week get a 50 dollars gift card to top shelf bar and grill for just 25 dollars. this deal goes on sale wednesday morning at nine so get yours before they're gone if you've been looking for melt-in-your-mouth dishes served in a fun atmosphere that the entire family will enjoy then head to the top Top Shelf Bar and Grill in New Bedford with a mix of delicious pub favorites and Portuguese dishes. Top Shelf has what your taste buds desire. Relax in their comfortable atmosphere for lunch or dinner. Or just kick back and enjoy a cocktail mixed by one of Top Shelf's fabulous bartenders. So stop in today for lunch, dinner, or drinks. Top Shelf Bar and Grill, 1825 Acushnet Nadav in
7: New Bedford.
1: So don't miss out on this amazing deal. Get your half-priced gift card to Top Shelf Bar and Grill this Wednesday morning at 9 before they sell out. Only at (coughs) SeizeTheDeal.com.
6: Credit Karma can help you make financial progress by giving you free scores, reports, and monitoring. But Credit Karma does not give you the love that only a mother can. It's just an app. I miss my mom. But you can use Credit Karma to help you improve your credit. But it cannot solve the eternal questions surrounding the human condition. Oh, come on. I need answers. But signing up is free. No credit card needed. Just download the Credit Karma app now. Oh, there's my answer. Credit Karma. Here's to progress.
5: The Vault Music Hall and Pub at Greasy
2: Luck in New Bedford is the hottest place in the city. Featuring live music in the vault and great food in the pub. Come in now for $10 lobster or a scallop rolls on Mondays and $5 fish and chips on Wednesdays. Don't forget to check out the new lunch menu too. Love local. Get great food and see talented musicians in an intimate setting in the heart of downtown New Bedford. At the Vault Music Hall and Pub. Like Greasy Luck on Facebook or check out vaultnb.com.
0: All right. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Matt Costa, Matt Moniz, and Dave McCullers, our guest tonight as well. And joining us on the phone, we have Ken DeCosta of, of Rise Up Paranormal joining us to talk with us about the Ocean State Paracon 2019 edition. How are you, Ken? I'm doing very well. How are you gentlemen tonight? Oh, we are spooktacular. And it's always, it always gets exciting around this time of year because we start gearing up for what is, uh, I think, New England's favorite paranormal convention.
7: Nah, uh, it's really turned into something, and I mean, I have everybody that supports it and shows up and lends their voice to it to thank for that. It's uh, apparently become a real destination event, and we're very proud and happy to say that.
0: And it really is because, like, I've gotten to meet people from around the world, people who are paranormal fans who uh, always say, you know, I, I've wanted to come to New England and I needed a good reason to come out and, you know, Ocean OceanSafe Paracon with all the good work that it does in the community is always always a great reason to do so.
7: Well, we're glad we could provide that opportunity. The amazing thing is I'm just checking the guest list. People have gotten a hold of me and people are coming in from Canada, Hawaii, Italy, believe it or not. And uh, all over the place, Florida and all over the Northeast. So um, it's very gratifying. And it's great because a lot of these people are going to be appearing as our guests. And they lend a different voice to it, which is something that we try to do all the time with our presentations. Give everybody uh, a little dose of uh, a more eclectic view of um, the paranormal than they might ordinarily get. So, um, you know, we're glad to have these uh, folks here with us.
0: So uh, you do have some new additions this year. Uh, we'll get into some of the old favorites that are that are going to be there as well, but who are some of the new additions to the lineup?
7: Well, this year um, I'm actually punching things up right now. So uh, um, I'm well, going to actually start with someone who uh, missed last year, but we're glad to have her back again this year, and that's uh, Amy Bruni from Kindred Spirits, a very, very good friend of yours. Uh, She's going to be with us for both days. But um, we're bringing in um, Sam Baltrusis, Mm -hmm. who a lot of your viewers have heard of. He's um, an amazing author who uh, has written a lot of books on Salem and done a lot of appearances on TV. Um, A lot of people are going to meet Van Helsing himself, Ron Kolick. He's making his first trip to, uh, to Ocean State this year. Um, and that's really good. Shannon Sylvia is actually going to do a presentation this year. She's been our guest for the last couple of years, but we're going to get Shannon up on stage this year. Um, so a lot of uh, different people that uh, I'm sure that folks uh, have watched on television or heard of in a lot of different ways, Jack Kenna and some of the old staples, Dustin Perry, Andrea Perrin will be making her triumphant return to uh home again this year to Rhode Island and of course Joe Chen and um, the amazing Tim Weisberg who uh, always, always comes up with something a little bit different every year and I'm looking forward to your presentation this year. I do a lot of running around over the course of the day, but I always make it a point to at least stop in there. Um, and see what you've got cooking up. So we're looking forward to that again this year.
0: Well, what I love is that uh, y- you know every year I try to come up with something new to add to my lecture arsenal, and I love Ocean State because it's the greatest place to try and debut something because you've got a, a great audience that's willing to not only um, listen to some of these different ideas but give you great feedback so that you can take whatever it is that they say and only help to make the presentation better by, based on yeah. their information.
7: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing because in this particular, uh, venue, I think the presentations to me are still important. You know, I know a lot of these things, you know, people give a talk and everything like that. But with everything that's going on in terms of different vendors and craftsmen and authors and artists and a really, really well-rounded, uh, group of, um, of vendors that we have there, um, I always try to emphasize the talks as well, because at the end of the day, I think it's important to uh, give people a forum to share a message and hopefully do something a little bit different. Um, in that vein, we're going to do a couple of panels this year. One is going to be on demonology and uh, another on psychic mediums. So we'll be taking some questions or soliciting some from our attendees trying to pick the most provocative or interesting questions and uh, hit our panel with those so nice. they're going to have
0: to think on their feet and I think that'll be really interesting for sure we only have about 2 minutes left so let's get uh let's make sure we get the the key information out about friends way what is friends way <laughs> and what are they all about
7: well friends way is the uh, an advocacy group here in Rhode Island, that offers free grief counseling to children and their families who have suffered um, a traumatic loss in their lives. They do this free of charge um, and they go beyond counseling. They do things like outings and and uh peer groups where kids and their families find out that they're not alone and have um, something that they can uh talk about and It's very cathartic, and, you know, it helps them bring some closure to it. So they do some amazing work there.
0: And so let's let everybody know how they can get tickets if they want to get involved. Again, it's July 13th and 14th, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island. How can they get tickets if they want to get them ahead of time?
7: Well, if you want to uh, get advanced tickets, you can visit our website. That's riseupparanormal.com. Click on Paracon on the menu, and it'll take you to a page where you can get uh, advanced tickets to the event. But it's important to note, because I'm asked this, that, yes, uh, there are tickets at the gate. Mm-hmm. But if you want to beat the lines, this is a great way to do it. Tickets are $12 a day for adult, a $20 weekend pass, and children under $12 or
0: uh, $5. You can't go wrong. It's a, it's a very low price to spend a day with some great people, some great friends. You'll learn a lot. You'll be able to pick up some uh, some all, di- all different kinds of stuff from the different vendors that are there, everything from paranormal equipment to, to handmade trinkets and, and books and all kinds of things. And, uh, and of course, uh, th- the big draw every year is always Andrea Perrin. She'll be there again as well, right?
7: Absolutely. Andrea puts this aside every year. She loves coming back home and paying a visit and meeting some of her old school chums and neighbors. And uh, we're uh, very, very happy that she's able to join us each and every year.
0: All right. So July 13th and 14th, the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island, the 2019 Ocean State Paracon presented by Rise Up Paranormal and Benefiting Friends Way. Ken, looking forward to seeing you then, if not before.
7: I hope before, but uh, in any event, it's coming up soon. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, come on and talk a little bit about it and uh, looking forward to it. So you guys have a great night.
0: You too. Take care.
7: Okay, you bet.
0: That is Ken DaCosta. And again, uh, we'll be hanging out at the Ocean State Paracon July 13th and 14th. More details uh, as the weeks go on as well. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Spooky South Coast in just a moment.
3: Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio. You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store.
0: back our number two of spooky south coast tim weisberg here along with the silent assassin matt costa science advisor matt moniz and our guest in studio this week from the bfro dave mccullough and you you've probably seen some of their awesome squatchachusetts stickers around moniz has one on his laptop and uh so we'll we'll talk more about that coming up in just a little bit we'll also take your calls at 508-996-0500 and we will you know, people missed the Week in Weird last week. Matt Blystein took the week off. He was on vacation. So he has returned with the Week in Weird this week. And I know people were upset that we missed it last week. But, hey, we well, you know, guys on vacation. You know? But it's good that people are enjoying the Week in Weird and that they like the new format. Don't forget that if you do enjoy it, uh, Matt Costa always puts it up as a separate video on our YouTube channel. So you can just share that out with people even if you have friends that you don't think would want to listen to the entire episode of Spooky South Coast, but they would just like to see The Week and Weird, you can share that video out on your own social media. Share that video directly on their pages or, or send it to them via email, however you want to share your YouTube videos around. And then you can spread the word of The Week and Weird. So let's get into that right now with Matt Blystein and The Week and Weird.
6: In a world where the paranormal is just a breath away. We're spanning the globe to bring you the best paranormal news. This is The Week in Weird. Hello, and welcome back to The Week in Weird. I have poison ivy all over my body, including my face, so we're going to make this fairly quick. Our first story takes us to Thailand where one man is making nightmares that you can eat. Artist Kitty Watt Unaram has been making unsettling, realistic, and gory body parts out of bread in his family's bakery for over a decade. The son of a baker, he learned to bake at the age of 10, but after studying fine arts at university, he decided to use dough as his medium to create art in his own unique style. What appear to be severed human body parts covered in blood are actually hand-painted, entirely edible loaves of bread Using cashews and raisins to create eyes, lips, and other details. Kitty Watt doesn't make his baked art with the intent to scare. Instead, he seeks to use his bread to share a deeper, more profound lesson. He says baking human body parts can show the audience just how transient bread and life really are. Truly, food for thought. Our next story is an update to a segment we brought you a few weeks ago. Back in May, Ghost Adventure star Zach Bagans bought a supposedly cursed chair known as the Devil's Rocking Chair, which was closely connected to an exorcism case that Ed and Lorraine Warren were involved with in the 80s. Zach planned on displaying the chair in his haunted museum in Las Vegas, but on the exhibit's opening night, there was so much paranormal activity surrounding it that his plans changed dramatically. In this video footage taken from inside the museum, we can see Zach and a friend near the chair's exhibit when a door to the chair's room opens on its own. Zack then appears to take a few selfies before running to the aid of a woman who fell unconscious on the stairs directly above the exhibit after a fit of crying while asking, why is this happening to me? After being open for only a few hours, the activity surrounding the chair was so pronounced that it forced Zack to close an exhibit for the first time since the museum opened. And it will stay closed until further notice. At the risk of sounding like a broken record, our last story is about a recent spate of attempts to break some fairly obscure Guinness World Records. In the Netherlands, 850 vertically gifted people gathered to break the record for the largest gathering of tall people. Women had to be 5'9", and men 6'2". The previous record was set in Australia with 139 people in 2009. In Tennessee, David Rush popped 200 balloons in 14.77 seconds to beat the previous record of 33.74 seconds set in New York by Ashrita Furman in 2014. Montreal yoga instructor Dana Glowacka held a plank for 4 hours and 20 minutes, breaking the previous record of 3 hours and 30 minutes set by Maria Calamara in 2015. In Egypt, the record for the longest iftar banquet table was broken, with a table measuring 10,465 feet, with enough space for serving nearly 7,000 people. Iftar is the traditional Muslim meal to break the Ramadan fast. The previous record was set in the United Emirates, with a 9,789-foot table in 2018. In Ireland, 824 students broke the record for the most people in one place patting each other on the back. The previous record of 329 people was set by Leicester Grammar School in England in 2018. The record for patting yourself on the back is currently held by everyone's favorite president, Donald J. Trump. It doesn't look likely to be broken anytime soon. And that's it. For this week's installment of The Week in Weird, I'm your host, Matt Bleistein, and I'll see you next week.
0: Well, always good stuff from Matt Sign and the Week in Weird. Again, feel free to take that segment, share it around, spread the weird word with everybody that you know. Well, we are back in talking with our guest, Dave McCullough, tonight. We're talking about Bigfoot, especially cases in New England. And now you guys had mentioned that there's something going on next weekend that people can actually join in and take part in if they want to.
2: Yep, it's the BFRO expedition with uh, BFRO members, guides that will take you out if you've... Uh... Local, and looking for something to do next week, and you've already, always had an interest in it. This is a good way to get your feet wet and get involved in the subject. Um, that's how I got involved with it in 2005. I attended the Whitehall New York Expedition, and uh, I've been going since, and it's just, once you do go, you can go anywhere in the country or Canada once you've attended one. And they usually are sites where there's been sighting reports. We were out actually today checking a couple areas where, where there's been sightings. We had uh, four new attendees. Uh, we have some returning people. Each expedition will have people that have been on other ones. So it's it's a good group of people, good group of friends. You, uh, educate you about the subject. Mm-hmm. We have uh, a couple brothers that are Squatchachusetts members uh, Tim and Eric Vogel. They'll be doing outdoor demonstrations, uh, cast making demonstrations, evidence collecting. So uh, a couple of people that were new today actually learned a lot just from coming out and asking questions, and they were thrilled at the end of the day. So it's it's a good uh, good way to get involved in it. Yeah,
0: because I think a lot of people are interested in the topic, but they don't know how to exactly. how to go out and do it. And it's it's definitely one of those things where you don't want to just take what you've seen on television mm-hmm. and go out and do it on your own because I mean first of all the, you could contaminate any evidence that you do find you might not know we, what even to look for when you get out there and uh, worst case scenario you get lost so exactly yeah. it's it's worth going it's out with people to that get know
2: lost, especially now everything's green and if it's not well marked you can get turned around and just by poking around and. So yeah, you got to be, and like you said earlier, sometimes the electronics don't even work, and the right you could have the top of the line GPS, and it's just out of range and useless.
0: But when you get into an area like the Bridgewater Triangle, where things just go haywire, exactly naturally, yep,
1: we encounter it all the time.
0: So you said that you got involved with this in in two thousand five. Yep. So, was, was the Massachusetts organization already existing, or did you no, begin it after uh,
2: that? Seven years now, Massachusetts okay. has been. But the BFRO
0: started in uh, 1995, and it's been going since. And and so, in all that time, since you got involved with this here locally, how many, if you can guess, how many different uh, expeditions have you done in New England?
2: Uh, New England, I've done probably a dozen over the years with a couple different organizations.
0: So, there's a lot of a lot of sightings that are reported, there's a lot of activity going around in this area to make it worth people's time that want to look look into into Bigfoot here in New England.
2: Yeah, those would be like organized expeditions. Mm-hmm. I was talking to 12, but I've been out a lot more than that, just on my own or with a few people. But um, yeah, it's just, once you start doing it, if you always had the interest in it, you'll, like a lot of times the joke is a uh, bad day at golf is better than a good day. This is, uh, most times nothing happens, but it's mm-hmm. that one or two t- odd times that uh, something really happens and you just know your adrenaline's, this is what you came for, this is worth all the...
0: Because that's a question that I get from people all the time, is like, well, do you have Bigfoot in your area? Because they know the, they know about the Pacific Northwest, they know about some of these other areas uh, where they have different type of you know creatures that are spotted skunk man sightings or you know Mm -hmm. all these different possible sasquatch creatures that could that are just differentiating differentiated in in appearance a little bit but people are always like so you actually have them in new england and i think that they go back to the native americans in this area with reports of them
2: actually all around the country all all the tribes
1: yeah some of the first reports of wild men come from when the pilgrims were landed here and you know the Native Wampanoags have had history with these encounters going back thousands of years.
0: So you got to be careful now when you talk about the Wampanoags on the show. Okay. I found out that I got I got yelled at at one of my lectures. We're not supposed to talk about it.
1: <laughs> uh.
0: I got chewed out. And I said, "Well, then come on and talk about it." You're saying, "No." We don't talk about it. I'm just, I'm being slightly facetious, but yeah, no, I got, I got warned about uh, sharing Wampanoag beliefs. I mean, somebody has to, because we have to talk about it. Well, then they really shouldn't be talking about right. it in public then. We <laughs> can't leave it to people to talk. About it. <laughs> well, no, that was the thing. She pulled me aside because I was talking about it in public. So, oh. but I was like, well, then you need to come on and tell the stories. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, we're not telling the stories. We're just saying that they do have, right. <laughs> we're, we're not trying to misrepresent their culture in any way. Uh, but but they, they do go back that far. I mean, the, these reports are not – it's not just because people are finally going out and looking for Bigfoot in New England that people are seeing it. It's been something that's been happening forever. And – having somebody that can go out and and look for it and and being able to train people to know what to look for first of all can get rid of a lot of misidentification i'm sure there are a lot of things in this area that people could see in the woods that they could easily mistake for being a sasquatch creature that are easily explainable
2: exactly and a lot of people are already thinking about it and want to see a black blob run across and you know hairy and dark and that was a big well you know when it's dark at night every branch that breaks or a twig and it's just you know naturally falling off the tree nothing or an owl you know and it could be anything but um i think people want stuff to happen now just it's that close they know it's that close and uh i mean people that are into it a lot of people are um just want to be skeptical they they need one on the table they need show me something you know which right. which is understandable
0: I mean, I think I'd rather run into a Bigfoot in the woods than a black bear, Yeah, you know? At least Bigfoot's been smart enough to avoid people for all these years. The bear's just going to come right at you. So,
2: But getting back to your uh, Native American thing, that goes back to the earliest explorers, the earliest natives here. They've cave drawings. Mm -hmm. California has a lot of um, rock paintings. They've always... One of them in their baskets, their uh, totem poles—things that all reference this type yeah, of creature.
0: Yeah, hundreds of years. So there's definitely something to it. Uh, we have a, a phone call on the line, so let's go to that. And if you want to call in, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is the number. Uh, we're going to try and keep it on topic. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast.
8: Good evening, Tim. Hello. How Hello. are you? I just wanted to check in. First of all, if I could, I I didn't catch the website for that uh, Ocean State Paranormal. I'd like to get that first. If I could, i got a pen and paper so I can write it down.
0: Sure. It's riseupparanormal.com. Rise. All one word. R-I-S-E-U-P. Yeah. Paranormal.com. Paranormal.com. And then when you click right on the link there for the Paracon, that will have your option to buy tickets.
8: Great, because that sounds uh, very interesting to go to.
0: Oh, yeah, it's always a great time. And the and bring bring some cash, because the food trucks that they, they have come in are amazing.
8: Well, I don't want to hijack your show, but I, I figured I'd give you an update. Sure. As far as 99% sure, Monday is going to be my day. Okay. To, to get everything. Um, and I was told, first of all, I was sent some money through the mail from the Justice Department because the guy there had put me in a, a special sweepstakes that me and two others that were getting ripped off.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: And so first the prize, first prize is uh, $500 million in a car. Second prize is $220 million in a car. Third prize is $105 million. And he told me I was guaranteed for one of those three because there's three of us that were put in for it.
0: I just so can't believe I don't they know. can't just throw in a car with a third prize, too.
8: Um, I I don't know what I think that's the way. I they mean, do I guess it. if you're getting a hundred
0: million dollars, you can get your own car. Yeah, but still, so, no, or truck. Oh so,
8: yeah. So uh, I just figured I'd keep you up to date, and uh, I uh, hopefully uh, Monday or Tuesday I'll have. I'll, uh, if Barry doesn't mind me crashing his show, I'll have a celebration down down the station.
0: All right. Well, hey, we could use it. We would appreciate it.
8: Oh uh, well, you know, the majority of you guys have been super with me so. I enjoy it. Uh, well, so I hope
0: I hope it works out for you.
8: Well, like I say, I'm I'm 99% sure because the last person they apprehended uh, stole the identity of a judge, and they caught him, and right away he wanted to plea bargain because he was going to get like 50 years for uh, stealing the identity of a federal judge. So he started singing.
0: Well, I I can't wait for the uh, for the for the miniseries that they're going to make about this on TV. Well, I'll tell you, I could almost write a book, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think you definitely should. Actually, with $100 million, just pay somebody else to write it for you. <laughs>
8: yeah, well, I know well, a guy. My, my, notes, my notes are awful, Tim, and I, I don't think anybody could go through them. But uh, I also wanted to tell you that hopefully within maybe a couple of weeks or so, we'll do that uh, Dillingham thing.
0: Sure. That sounds great. I, was just, I just drove by there the other night. I, I went out to get some water there from the natural spring and drove by. So it's, it's still there.
8: Well, oh, you—they got a natural spring
0: out there. Down the street, uh, if you ever been to Sandwich, uh, in, right well, near like the Sandwich have, Town but, Hall.
8: I have, but you know, I I never knew anything about the Dillingham areas because I looked on the web. There's a bunch of property that's listed under there. Yeah,
0: there's multiple Dillingham homes, uh, right. Including one one that's uh, still in use and owned by the family. They have like a big Dillingham reunion every few mm-hmm. years at that house. But this is this is the former bed and breakfast. Uh, site so it's um if you go to if you search dillingham house and wbsm you'll find the story that i wrote about it and get the exact the exact location
8: i'll have to do that hey thank you much for that uh website and everything and uh hopefully like uh monday or tuesday we'll uh i'll crash gary's show if you don't mind
0: all right hey i don't mind it's not my show so call in anytime (laughs) (laughs)
8: all right right. take care bye-bye
0: Yeah, for those of you who have never been to that natural spring, I don't think they want people to know that aren't residents, but there's a great natural spring um, right downtown sandwich, right next to the town hall, across from the old church there. Just comes right up out of the ground. They built a little box around it with some spouts so that you can fill up your jugs or you can take a drink directly out of it. And I, um, I got like a really super deal on one of those Yeti coolers. Yep. And so I had that in the car. And I just filled it up with all the water that I could from that. Actually, I filled it up, drank a whole bunch of it, and then refilled it because it's, it's so good. And I brought it in and had everybody here try it. And they're like, this is the best water I've ever had in my life.
1: In that public water
0: fountain that's right out there. Yep. It comes right up from the ground. Yep, Way better. I mean, maybe there's some goose poop or something. in it, But still, <laughs> it's pretty good. We have another call on the line. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. What's shaking, Playboy? Hey, Lamone. How are you doing? What's going on?
3: Hey, I'm just living and loving so, um, I have a couple of questions. I, since your beard is trimmed up so much, you look like Jake the Man Milliman. Remember him, the wrestler? N- no. From from the AWA, he was. Uh, he, remember when um, adorable Adrian Adonis and um and uh, Jesse Ventura used to be tag team champions? Yep. Je- uh, adorable Adrian Adonis left, and he went to the WWE. W-E-F-N, and so uh, he went, so uh, Jake the Milkman Milliman took his place, and they wrestled against, um, both the World Warriors? So that was crazy. No, that was before the World Warriors. I forgot who it was. Um, the high full But like I said, look at him. He was like, he just died in, in 2016. It was kind of sad. He was a nice guy, but you with your beard trimmed like well, that, it was kind of spooky looking.
0: My beard's not trimmed at all. That's a problem. I probably should get it trimmed. So, well, uh, that... Yeah.
3: All right. Uh, um, one other thing, uh, Matt looks like he just. He, I'm talking Matt Bleistein Blitz, mm-hmm. Looks like he just got a. You see it like that? It's like you know. I felt bad for him, and so um, there's a few things. All right. So what'd I about to say, young man?
0: Uh, I was say you, you had a question.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I do. Um, so about Bigfoot, did you, I have some pictures that I took. I uh, remember I told you last week that, or um, well, the week before that, I had pictures. When I went over to utah you mm-hmm. see something over that, behind the sign i'd like to share that with you but i don't know who to share it with and also i'd like to give a gift give gifts to like maybe 20 of, of your top uh chat listeners you know a lot of the people that i've known like least that i talk to when i come to, come to the show i like to give them gifts I, i'm feeling philanthropic right long and now okay i guess that's Guess that's what they call it. My mom says I go blind if I keep doing that. But, you know, so I just thought that would be kind of nice to do. And when are you coming to Vegas? I thought you were planning on coming to Vegas.
0: I, I, I don't know when I'll get out there, but uh, there's there's rumors of there being something happening, uh, Midnight in the Desert related. So we might not be that far from Vegas if we're in Pahrump, right? Yeah.
3: Uh yeah, that's right over the that's right over the hump. I can make it down that way. If that's okay, what I was thinking would be good, like maybe maybe next month, maybe not on the second. For like, we can do Spider Man coming home. We're doing that right there. Like last, the third that we did Dark Phoenix, which oh. was kind of a it was kind of like for such a great such a great uh, franchise. It was kind of sad to see how it went out with the whimper.
0: Yeah, so when that's, like, they they kind of gave up on it. Because they know it's it's our last one, but so uh, no, I don't think they, I'll be able to make it out for for Spider Man, but well, maybe maybe some down the line, maybe later on this year, uh, or you can always it. you can always come out to New England, Lamone. <laughs> I'm a black guy.
3: I see what they do to black people out there. No, that's nice not true pride, at all. Fella. All right. Well, thank Oops, you for you, thank <laughs> thank Hello? you for the call. All
0: right. Have they a good night. Bye,
3: like, bye, other uh, Matt in the background. Play on, Playboy. All My right. Bless See you later. Bye, Eileen
0: that <laughs> was given that was given chat room shout outs alright that is Lamone uh, he promised gifts to the chat room I'll let them fight it out amongst yeah. themselves because he's still in there so uh, he could they can,
1: be referring to potato chips oh,
0: I, I don't know Yeah, you don't know with Lamone you never know He's uh, he's got connections so uh, but you know, we we've been talking about Bigfoot, and if anybody does have any questions for Dave, or if you want to call in, maybe with a local experience, 508-996-0500. And, and I would have thought that this is something where you get a couple of reports, you know, now and then. Like maybe you might get lucky if you get like one or two reports a year. But Moniz is constantly like, up. Oh, you know, I'm not going to be on the show tonight. We got we got a call. We're going out to this here. It seems like there's a a lot of activity lately is this something that is an increase dave or is this something that is kind of how it always is for you guys and i only know about it because monies is going with you now
2: i think uh, for myself personally um i've had my experiences that happened to me in the last four years and uh probably all the years before that not much at all and there has been more sightings uh reported by and different organizations are getting reports and what what would you
0: attribute to that being on the rise i think uh um,
2: more people going, enjoying the outdoors, getting out of the cities and hitting mm-hmm. the trails and hitting um, some of that, camping, just getting out, fishing, a lot of uh, recreational activities on the water. Those seem to be a lot of the witnesses that are just out enjoying so nature. You, uh, you'd say a
0: majority of your stories come from people who just happen to see a creature as opposed to people that are going out looking for a creature?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Do you still get some from people who are kind of like amateur squash hunters themselves?
2: yeah but a, a, there is a lot of stuff coming out by researchers that are getting good footage or good tracks and casts and all kinds of stuff.
0: So if somebody is going, and obviously you know we don't want to recommend that anybody goes on their own, especially you know the first time or anything, but if somebody is going, what do you recommend that they bring with them for something that they would want to use not only for their own safety but also to to maybe help to um, document anything that they find? Lots
1: of bug
2: spray. Lots of bugs, Frank. That's probably top of the list, huh? You know, yeah. plenty of water. Be safe. I wouldn't recommend going out and doing this alone. Some people do, but uh, I don't think it's good to do anything out in the water of these woods where right. a lot of just mysterious stuff happening, missing 411 and yeah. all the national parks mm-hmm. and, you know, wild animals and there's big cats but around But just there. you
0: could trip over a stump or fall in a hole or That's something.
2: That's it. Yeah, you turn your ankle out there, you're in, a, you're in trouble, you know.
0: What's the what's the great uh, meme that go, goes that goes around now and then? Um, you know, I was uh, when I was raised, I, I thought that I'd encounter quicksand a lot more as an adult than I really did. Mm-hmm. You know, but hey, it's it happens, and it happens around here. I'd say always keep a good scale item too.
2: If you do come across a track in the ground or anything, just something to you know. Pictures are great, but you need something in the picture to to what, give it. What do scale. you recommend
0: people use? Dollar bill.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've
0: seen a lot of dollar bills, a lot of
2: rulers, a small ruler. Even if you threw down, if you didn't have something, you could throw down a lighter or a pop, you know a pack of cigarettes. Most people have those.
0: And if you have two people, it's probably not easy to do when you're working by yourself and trying to work the phone at the same time, but or the camera at the same time. But you know, a, a measuring tape is good yep. to bring because you can just clip it onto your belt. Exactly. You know, so if you have somebody else that can kind of take the picture of and you, it's measuring
2: indisputable. It. Everyone knows, you know. So you can see the numbers right there.
0: What do you f- what do you think happens more often when people are going out and looking for this? Do they do they have an experience where they they see something or they hear something more often than they find a print, or do they find a a, a print a track more often than they might see or hear something?
2: I think tracks are more scarce because mm-hmm. of the uh, especially the layout mostly around here, and especially in mass the thick leaf litter, uh, moss. You'd, so you'd have to get really lucky and have one walk through a muddy field and. It's just the odds. I think more, you well, more reports to us, anyways, of sightings. are they call it paralleling or following out back to the car to get them out. That's when you'll get, you know, trees shaking, rocks thrown at you. A lot of it, um, my opinion, is just intimidation to get you out. So really? they're trying
0: to scare you away from them. Yep.
2: Yeah. A lot of actually, the woman today that was out with us um, has a lot of stuff going on in New York, and she was saying how. She knows they're following them, and she'll stop, turn around. And and out of most reports, sorry, um, people will report that when they stop, the noise stops, like they'll hear footsteps or leaves crunching or, you know, branches breaking, and they'll stop and turn around, and then it stops, and they'll start walking again, and it starts up again. And um, a lot of times we think it's just they're following you out to make sure you leave right? instead of just, you know and it's all opinion too I mean it's all uh, my opinion that the uh they call' watches that' that's their main job is to protect the clan and any cows coming in or any people coming in on the trails they kind of keep an eye on you, follow you around, and make you know they wanna know what you're up to. I think it's just all part of survival is.
0: I mean, it's it's amazing that you're dealing with something that is such a physically imposing creature, but it, it still hides well, while yep. trying to scare you away. It could just come out and be outright intimidating. Yep. But it, it's it's Which smart it enough to know that that would put it at risk. Occasion. I
2: yeah. think on a occasion, if you stumble into too close, where well, they do maybe have some younger ones around, they will get a little more aggressive. And uh, there's been a lot of, actually, I've experienced myself of trees pushed over, we call it. You'll literally hear it bending and... Uh, crack and smash off the ground. You'll hear it hit the ground pretty hard, and that's that's usually a sign for us, so like, we don't want to get any close. Okay, we respect that. And mm-hmm. Time so to go, maybe.
0: <laughs> they're highly intelligent creatures, yes. for sure. Yep. Um, would you say that they're they're close in, in intelligence with human beings?
2: I would. I, I think it's a form of a, an ancient
0: human that... Um,
2: there's, it's more than just another dumb animal that's out in the woods and... Uh, it is, it's main, th- they, we call them the ninjas of the woods, the ninja of the forest. They can just follow you around. They could walk right by them and you're 10 feet away and they could uh, just crouch down like a stump or, a, you know, very mysterious.
1: I can relate a story that was given to me by a person. He was, did three tours in Nam uh, as a uh, marine uh, recon. Okay, so this is somebody that's, trained to be in the woods knows how to move around in the woods without being you know detected and is very keen to his environment after his three tours in nam he was on the west coast and the Suadal river and he was doing some fishing and he was parked his canoe up on on a river bank and behind him was you know a bank about he said about four foot high right behind him so what he was doing is he had the radio on he said he was listening to a ball game and just fishing. He would pile the fish he was catching up on the bank behind him, and he said, "You sitting there just fishing away, listening to the ball game. He caught a fish he he picked it up on the reel or on the line was take took it off off the hook, he turned around to put it with the pile of the others, and then he noticed that he was looking at two knees on either side of him and at that point, he looked up and this thing reached down, grabbed the fish out of his hand, already had the other fish that was on the ground behind him in his hand and stood up and walked away. He's like, I spent three years in the bush. This thing snuck up on me and I didn't hear this. It. Like, and this thing was huge. He's yeah. like, I've never been more scared in my life. He's like, dude, through the fishing gear in the canoe and paddled the hell out of there.
0: So it sounds like Dave that you're you're convinced that this is a flesh and blood creature, yes and and Moni's I don't think I've ever asked you, but is that that your take as well?
1: Yeah, I think there is a flesh and blood element to it, definitely,
0: but is there also a a a supernatural element to these creatures as well, Dave, in your experiences is there is there something there that makes it so that it just goes beyond just being a regular creature?
2: Uh, a couple strange things that have happened, but i I really can't say you know I've seen orbs like right in areas where there's been sightings like and, seen with uh, your own eyes I actually last year there was I didn't see the creature because uh, it was seen through the thermal we were doing an expedition in West western mass and a lot of people saw it there was three different guys with thermals and um, they all saw it and I could tell they saw something and then when they said it was gone within 10 seconds a little orb goes just over the tree line and just goes along the trees and gone everyone saw that but um I wish I knew. That's like the million dollar question. I, I used to be dead against it, but now I'm a little more open to it you know, it needs an explanation. We we've gone here, we've gone there. It needs it could help explain.
0: Right, and it might not be so much that it's kinda of weird that bears on T V behind you guys right now as we're doing this. But uh it could be not so much just that these creatures are um supernatural in their Nature, But it could be that the places where we're able to encounter them are just supernatural places. Moniz, you were talking about the Bridgewater Triangle and having all these other experiences happening while you're out there looking for Bigfoot. You're having capturing EVPs, hearing voices and all these kind of things. So that maybe it's those window areas that we're going into that let us see them. It doesn't mean that they're paranormal, but it just means that we see them more. Well, I mean that they're supernatural, but we just see them more in these supernatural areas. Because you've gone to some places where, you know, where you go and look for these things are pretty much the same areas of where we go and look for other things as well.
1: Right. I mean, Massachusetts here, the big spots that we have for encounters are down here in the southeast coast, the Huckamuck area, Middleborough, Lakeville, uh, Bridgewater areas. Then it's around the Quabbin Reservoir and then the western part of the state out near like north adams and stuff yeah. correct
2: berkshire mountains so october yeah. mountain you yeah. said earlier
0: well i mean all of those places also have all kinds of other stories associated with them so it definitely fits the pattern and it seems mm-hmm. that way in other areas too where even if it's not places where us in modern times have a have that type of spiritual attachment to those places the native americans certainly did you know mm-hmm. going back to You know, three, four or five hundred years ago, these are places that might have been used for for ceremonies or rituals or things like that. And now they're places where we still to this day, even though we're not going through the same ceremonies that they are, we're still having those same kind of weird encounters. The Freetown State Forest being like a huge one, you know, like uh, people will say that when they go there, they can they can feel Mm -hmm. a presence there. Um, and I'm sure that you feel that in a lot of the places that you go. You can feel, even if it's even if it's not the creatures necessarily that you're feeling, you're feeling something.
2: Yeah. I've seen some strange lights, too, not orbs, that were just the tops of the trees all lit up. Actually, like the top half of the trees from there was just all lit up. And, uh, and it just kind of like moved up the tree and gone into the sky. Not Bigfoot related, but it was on a guy's property that had a lot of Bigfoot stuff going on. I mean, that's why they, we were there. So, you never know what you're going to see. And I can't say it's not related because, like I said, it happened in the same place. Uh, there's been cases where uh, tracks have just stopped in the snow, like a footprint will just stop. And it was something from above took yeah, it. Yeah, you know? maybe. So, uh, head scratcher.
0: Well, what would you say is probably the best, you know, looking at it as a physical, flesh and blood creature, what would you say is the best piece of physical evidence that you've come across? Um, not that i 've come across personally, but what has been
2: found already and um accepted as evidenced by the you know the most notable people no. that are studying this is the dermal ridges and the tracks uh that which is like fingerprints mm-hmm. uh hair samples that come back and classified um kind of linked to human but not quite human, not quite animal somewhere in between um Just stuff like that. There's been blood samples, hair samples, saliva samples from food that, you know, researchers have left out. Fecal. Fecal. Fecal.
0: That's Moniz's specialty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually, that would be one of the better things to study. You know, we'll put the junior high uh, humor aside, but Mm -hmm. inside basically fecal matter, you have very specific uh microbial uh and and other enzymes that you can test that will tell you what family that this comes from it's a it's a very definitive test because gut microbes are pretty well studied for scientific purposes believe it or not to understand how digestive systems work in animals and humans so yeah it's a very definitive test
0: and uh so, what about yourself personally? Then, have you have you got any good physical evidence in your own investigations? I actually
2: have some uh, interesting sound recordings. Nothing of no casts. I've seen some odd shapes in um, mud that uh, actually had water in the puddles that you you really couldn't do nothing with it. But again, it doesn't prove nothing. But they were pretty big and pr- very shaped like a human foot, but just very big.
0: What what about the sounds? What what were those? The like? sounds
2: were recorded from. Uh, I was actually out with a camcorder, not uh, filming anything, just filming scenery. Actually going down in a canoe, and I didn't actually notice it till I come home because it was just on a tiny. This is when back when when camcorders just looked like a uh, looked like that box over there. They were that big, but it. Um, when I brought it back, I was listening to it on TV. It was just on a videotape and. You really couldn't hear a whole lot. I was, I had actually heard some wood knocking, which I was hoping it would pick that up. So I went to a friend of mine who had a really nice sound system, and um, he played them through there. And all of a sudden, you could you could literally hear something growling, and it's almost like a motor Like I should have gave it to you head. You can play it. Sorry, and you can. Um, I'll send the, the link to Matt. You can actually play it on here, and it's just like a deep guttural groan that you can't even. But human can't imitate it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's actually almost motor-like. You can hear the uh, like it's very, very interesting. And
0: and when you spend enough time out in the woods, you learn what different sounds are. Yeah. So you know what's what, and you you kind of have to know what's what because you want to know what's in the area. It's something
2: big, yeah. You can tell it's something very big, and I'd always want to have it professionally analyzed. But you'd have to send it to like Texas A and M. I think it was one of the only bioacoustic costs a lot of money and a lot of time. I just don't have that. So, well, locally, I still we have, have the Naval War
1: College that they train the people with their sonar operators there. Uh, there's been UFO sounds that we've sent through there that have been used for analyzation, and we might be able to borrow some technology there.
5: I well, know some
0: people. And, and then what you do is, you know, you always make sure that you provide it to the television shows. When the television shows are looking for cases and looking for evidence, you provide it to them because then they'll turn around and they'll pay to have it analyzed. So then you get the analysis back without having to pay for it yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'd it's love good to
2: know the truth, even if it's not a big foot. I'd rather know. It's either a, like a very big cat. It almost sounds like a, a lion roaring. Not roaring, but the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the purr? Like, purr, yeah. yeah almost talk- like a motor running like just a very low I can't do it Still I would rather run into
0: a Bigfoot than a mountain lion
2: But
1: mm-hmm. you didn't hear it but you're able to pick it up with the um sound system sounds to me like infrasound
2: It could be that could very well too That's what a um, few of us have suggested cuz I did get a feeling of dread in, like before that and it's actually at the end of the recording before I shut it off and I just I just got a feeling to get out, get out of this area being out in the water and close to the bushes where I could kind of hear knocks earlier, so I'm, I just had a bad feeling. And uh, like I said, when I got home the next day and went to my friends and he played it through the big speakers, it, w- it was amazing. It still is. I still play them every now and then. And There's a uh, Monsterland show I did, and they played it right on there and got a good response. So I'd, I'm hoping someone, a good uh, the animal bioacoustic expert, could could answer that.
0: So, and you had mentioned the wood knockings, and I think that that's something that a lot of people know to listen for if they're going out there. So what do you think that that is when when you hear these wood knockings?
2: I think uh, a lot of times, lately we've noticed the past couple years that early on, so as soon as we get out of the car, we listen now. Because it could be an alert to other, if there's other sasquatches in the area that they're here, you know. And it, and
0: it just sounds like something banging on a tree.
2: Yeah, it just almost like something hammering. Someone will say it. Uh, someone was telling me the other day they thought they heard it and they thought uh, someone was making something at two in the morning out in the woods behind the house. So we're because talking. It sounded like someone banging a hammer. Or, we're talking about something with force. Yep, yeah, and hands. Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. The other is uh, what's called clacking two rocks. You know when they rock clack clacking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, again, this lends to there being that intelligence uh, to, to not only be able to realize that you're there, but to want to warn the others, too. Um, if that's the case, though, do you start to wonder if the more of these experiences that you have where you get there and you're warning them, do you feel like almost now like it's you're invading their area and that, you you know, if, you, if they're perceiving you as being a threat, that maybe it's better off if you just leave them alone?
2: Yes, uh, we've been doing that too, like not replying or not knocking until you hear one, like so, not initiating, in other words. And um, also, too, it could be a lot of people have reported they've heard the knocks coming from different directions. They could be like, "I'm here, where are you?" Or hunting. Yep, just
0: kind of like. driving the deer, something
2: you know, this way, and
0: they can't. They're not going to wear orange vests to yeah, so let each other know where they are. So
2: there's different numbers of knocks reported. Some it's just a single loud crack some of it's two or three you know you you never know and that's the thing about knocking too when you hear wood knocks you still need to see what's making the knock you know right unless you've been out in a pretty far area for a long time and you know there's no other people around and depends where you are
0: so i know monies you said that you've you've done some work in middleborough yeah as of late where would you say are the real hot spots around this area especially in our listening area of where people are encountering these creatures
1: right now freetown we've had a number of reports coming from the freetown state forest um lakeville and the Middleboro area yeah th- that little tri-corner area
0: so and in, in is this time of year yes is this a time when people because they're going out into the woods right. more? it's uh, also
1: when a lot of the um the berries are starting to come out, and the food sources are starting to bloom, basically.
0: So you expect to get a big rise around this time of year every year? Yep. This in late summer, fall yeah.
2: always seems to be pretty active, too. It could be after the harvest that uh, it's cooling off. Maybe they're out and about more. Yeah, maybe. Depending they, on the summer, too.
0: They might stay deeper in the forest in the in the mm-hmm. summer when it's warmer out. and
2: Stay in the shade and by the water.
0: So... Uh- Again, if people have an experience, if or if they see something um, that they think is anomalous, what's what's your advice to them if they think that they have one of these creatures, you know, near their house or I'd near say, their campsite yeah. or or anywhere they may be?
2: Document, you know, keep a journal of what's going on around your house, and uh, definitely contact someone with experience with it that have some good advice for them. Um, you know, don't go out shining lights. Or do I, you know, that depends on your motive, too. Do you want to be left alone or do you want to see them? Or do, Right. If you do, there are things you can do both ways, you know. Um, you could leave gifts out there, them, leave some apples out there if you know there's something going on behind your house. Or or if you didn't want them around, you, you'd want to, like, light up your yard, put some floodlights up. and.
0: I mean, that's a good way because, then first of all, it's going to keep any kind of animals away for the most part. Yeah. And uh, and maybe that's all that people need to feel better, is just you know yeah light up their yard a little bit more. Uh, I mean I think the worst thing people can do is you know grab the rifle and head into the woods exactly because you don't know what it is yeah you know the next thing you know you're running out there looking for Bigfoot and you're getting swiped by a bear or you know bit by a fisher or something like that. So there's there's there's, oh sorry so go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say a lot of people think it is a form of a human, so that's a question too. If you do kill one. And you find out it's a, um, a hominid. Hominid. Then yeah, you, you, you just kill that it. It's not an animal. Well, so but not only that, it's not an animal. Even
0: if it is just a straight up animal, if it was known and classified, it would probably be endangered. So you don't want to kill one of the only ones just that are out there.
2: Just to prove that's a big debate. There are pro kill, and there are definitely no kill. Most people are no kill. I'm no kill. I, I I can't see it. unless it was by accident.
0: Or if it, it was a matter of by, you versus you know, him. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
2: Self-survival. That I agree with. Yeah.
0: Like, I assume that you go out into some of these expeditions. I assume that you go armed. I don't
2: personally, but we, th- there usually is a couple people. Uh, and that's more for the other
1: wild animals. You know, you right. got coyotes and other things mm-hmm. that, you know. Yep. We have bear around here, so
0: if you if you I don't know if you've seen the reports lately, but they've been, there's been a rash of black bear sightings in Rhode Island.
1: Yeah, tried getting in the lady's car.
0: Yeah, so that's you know, and when, of course we have the Cape Cod bear.
1: Yeah, the one that crosses the canal. Yeah,
0: <laughs> the, the one that they were like, uh, we think that he must swim across the canal, and they're like, well, that seems like a really hard swim even for a bear, and then they was like. There's traffic cam footage of the thing he's walking going, over the bridge. the bridge. Oh, no, Kevin. Yeah, oh, yeah. He knows what he's doing.
1: figured it out. Yeah. It's not the first time he's done it. <laughs> he,
0: he knows what he's doing. The only difference is like, when he goes, he doesn't worry about the cop that's always sitting at the bottom. Right. You know, He, he just goes at his regular speed. Uh, so we're, we're just about out of time. How can people reach out if they do have something going on? They want to reach out to you to report a possible... Uh,
2: uh, the BFRO.net, BFRO's main database. And so that. Sighting collection.
0: So they would put all that information in there, and then the then then the organization would contact you to say we've got one in your area.
2: Yep, yeah, submit it, submit a report, uh, it would be checked out by us and to verify it, and you know everything's private. Everyone can remain anonymous.
0: And what do you think the turnaround time is that between somebody having an experience and where you might reach out to them?
2: Uh, within days, like or tonight, like if I go if I seen one come in tonight, I'd call the person tomorrow. Obviously, I wouldn't call it tonight but uh, i'd get on it pretty quick get in touch with them
0: because you know if it's if it's something that's moving you want to make sure that you can get there as quick as you can yep to be able to check it yep. out
2: some people have sent in um you know possible footprints on property uh here samples it could be anything
1: right and uh, if they want to go out with us this weekend go to the bfro.net and go to expeditions check out massachusetts and they can join us this uh coming weekend
2: yep to and this then, day to sunday
0: and then what, what just one more time for people that might have come in a little bit late so what what exactly is is going on it's going to be in the bridgewater triangle yep
2: we're camping at the uh, koa campground in middleboro and we base out of there and we do trips out of there go to different areas where there has been sightings we got uh i was actually out in freetown today uh we're at the north part of the Triangle up in Bridgewater, Huckamock, Swamp. So you'll
0: be going to all different places, just staying at the KOA.
2: Yep. Yeah, and just come back and camp. And
0: for yeah. those of you who uh, aren't familiar with the KOA, but you are familiar with the Oliver House right across the street. Yeah. So it's <laughs> that's usually we tell people the other way. Like, how do I get to the Oliver House? It's right across from the KOA. So now we're telling people that that's right across from the Oliver House, and uh, and certainly it's a great base of operations. Uh, you're right there, right off Route 44, easy to get to. And it's a great place to stay from everything I've heard. It's a
2: big camp. You can, uh, accessible to trailers, you can hook up trailers, nice clean camp, showers.
0: Let's hear that, nice clean camp, so you have no excuses. Yep. Make sure you take a shower.
2: Yep. And like you said, it's close to all these all these spots around the Triangle. And
0: so. Sounds like a great Good plan. Location. So uh, so there you know, just go to the uh, BFRO.net website so that you can get involved in all of this. Dave, thanks for coming in and, and for informing us about this, and thanks for uh, keeping him in the loop too so that Thank you know, you he guys. can come Thank back and share those me. stories with
2: us. Thank you for having me come on and giving us a little plug. I appreciate it.
0: No, no problem. And we will definitely do it again sometime. Uh, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk more with you about the paranormal. If you want to reach us at any point, during the course of the week, uh, you can always go to SpookySouthCoast.com to find everything out uh, about us. You can email us, SpookyCrew at com. You can also follow us on social media. You can go to the Spooky South Coast Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC, right? And uh, then it's at Spooky underscore South Coast on Instagram, and uh, really, Matt does a fantastic job of of running that stuff, and people get very involved and get very interactive with a lot of the stuff that goes on there. And that's what I love about this: is that you know we come on and we do the show for two hours on a Saturday night, but the conversation continues all week long. It's an interactive thing. Uh, let's face it, you know there's there's not a lot of. Uh, not a lot of people that you can talk about all this weird stuff with. So it's good that we've been able to build a little community. And I also want to just throw a shout out to everybody that's been in the chat room all night. Uh, there's always some great conversation going on in the chat room. I was trying to reach over, uh, take a look over and see some of it uh, throughout the course of the night. But uh, I'm sorry if I missed some of it. There was a lot of uh, picking on people, too. So, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I missed that. I'll go back and read it later. So if anybody was making good jokes about me, I will uh, I'll definitely let you know that I, I saw it later on. Uh, And again, to the Ocean State Paracon, July 13th and 14th, come on out. Help us raise money for a great cause with Friends Way. And also, maybe you listen to the show and you've never come out to see us at any of our events. That's a great place to come out and pop in, especially if you're local. But if you live elsewhere... And you want to come in for one New England event, well, that's a great one to come in for. And uh, we'll also have the Mass Paracon a little bit later on this year as well, which we'll tell you more about in the coming weeks. If you'd like to come out and take part in that, I'm excited about that because we're getting John Tenney to come to New England again. So I'm pretty excited. Not only that, but get to go back to Ventford Hall, yeah, which we haven't been, been to in quite a while. A couple of years. Yeah. and um, But then, of course, I have to encounter the bat again in the basement. So. <laughs> I'm a little worried about that. I'll wear a hat. So uh, until next week, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for intern Kylie, who we had the night off, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.